Shout out to Jack Holloway and Heaven's Music who provided the title soundtrack to the podcast. It is called Melancholia. Welcome to the Growing Pains podcast where we are helping millennials get through adult adolescence one candid conversation at a time. I am your host, Moki Musau. I'm joined by the ever realer, don't get more realer than her, Ann Harrington. And today, Ann... We've got a special guest. It's not a dog. Mm. It's not Obama. Not yet. (laughs) We've got our very good friend, Will Halsey, um, here with us today. uh, We all went to Gordon-Conwell together, had a great time, survived and thrived on that holy hill, came out holier than thou. And um, (laughs) Will, Will is a mental health therapist um you're a licensed mental health counselor you're a husband you're a father of three now here will you say that you are at home when you're in the ocean does that mean when you're inside the water literally under the sea no i i just (laughs) i grew up you know along the coast and i've always just felt like in the waves at the beach ocean just a happier just happier person man well you know what if you get any happier then you are we are today that's mighty mighty happy yeah i'll aim for that <laughs> well before we get to the nitty-gritty as we always do and mm-hmm. um i ain't seen no dogs this week oh i'm so um, sorry for you it's okay but uh i i um i a bunch of dogs barked at me uh, on Thursday. No, no, no on uh, on Tuesday and on Friday and today while I was out running. And I feel like these are all mean dogs, but I don't know. I like to think, hey, they're just happy to see me. Maybe you, maybe you need to start packing like dog treats and just throw them at him when you jog by. I or, would. or they'll chase him faster and longer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, point. yeah. Man, <laughs> I would also, but I mean, I'm I'm out here, you know, and I don't want to take my chances. Mm-hmm. These homeowners out here, man, they see black dude feeding their dogs, <laughs> trespassing. <laughs> and I don't know if I'll be able. Wild if world. I'll, I don't know if I'll come back for growing pains after that, but we'll see. I might, I should just get a dog myself and just, that's the, that's the easiest answer, right? The easiest solution. Just get a dog. Yep. We'll see what happens next week. You? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I was very blessed today. I think I, this week. I think I stole, I stole your portion or something for the week, but, um, there was, a cocker spaniel puppy at my house for a couple hours yesterday. Mm-hmm. You got her blessed. name was Daphne, and she was uh, pretty adorable and easily the best part of my day. Jeez, just uncontrollable. I'm cuteness. filled with envy whenever you talk about your stories. I'm gonna just let you know. I get I get a little bit um, perturbed. But I keep okay. it to myself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. I'm, I just, just bury Living my truth, Milky. I'm sorry that that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> offends you, but there it is. 
It's okay. It's okay. Your truth, my truth, whatever. It's all the truth. Will. Yes. Speaking of truth. Yes. Are you a dog man? You are you oh, just a, a marine I lo- man? I, I love dogs. I, I mean, I grew up with a Springer Spaniel, so Spaniels are very near and dear to my heart. Oh my. Uh, you know, we are we are hiking all the time and so we always okay. come across dog dogs on the trail came across one today it was a poodle one of the larger ones very friendly came up and just kind of like sat by us while the owner was talk, talking nearby and she goes oh yeah he's a leaner and i was like i've never heard dogs referred to like that oh he's a leaner but then it made sense like there's dogs that just like lean up against your leg while they're standing there and i was like that's a term i will use sometime I mean, I'm gonna start leaning on people myself too. I'm just a leaner. Gotta, gotta <laughs> See how do it. That goes. <laughs> well, hey, I'm gonna just let's just go ahead and jump right into this thing. Um, and you had crowdsourced um, the world of uh, Instagram, talking about questions about masculinity and and is it mental health? Was that right? Mm-hmm. And we've got some questions to that. But before we get into that, Will, tell us um, where is where did your kind of these professional interests and this passion for mental health, masculinity, mm-hmm. um, where did all that kind of come from? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, the the story kind of starts, I would say, in undergrad. Um, I went to Syracuse for undergrad and studied photojournalism there. And I feel like it's almost like field research in a way because, you know, Syracuse has a pretty strong uh, Greek life there and just kind of getting to see firsthand how guys made friends in that particular Mm -hmm. arena. Um, And I I wouldn't say that masculinity was on my mind at the time, but it's certainly in rear view. It brought a lot of uh, insight into kind of how guys try to make friends or how guys try to kind of connect and not saying that every guy does it that way, but just it was, it's a in college, like that's one of the places that you see a lot of that masculinity on display. Is uh-huh. it healthy? Sometimes, uh, right. but I, I think there's still a search there that a lot of guys are going through to, to kind of find themselves uh, in one way or another. So, anyways, fast forward to uh, coming to Gordon Conwell. And, you know, kind of have a different perspective on, you know, what I'm doing as far as heading into the mental health world and, and becoming a counselor. And I think it really shifted in the years that I was doing internship, getting to see and hear from guys who just, you just get this sense that masculinity is, and is kind of a, a very like underdiagnosed issue in a way. Like you would okay. see that guys struggle to deal with emotions, talk about emotions, ask for help. I mean, these kind of, um, you know, basic things that that all humans should be able to do. Right. But for guys are particularly hard. Uh, I, I, I definitely remember this one moment in a group therapy session I was running for substance abuse. And the, we were kind of going over this idea for guys of like, like how do you describe masculinity? And like the participants all kind of wrote, you know, on the board, these different traits that they were thinking of. And we looked at the traits, we kind of realized that those words could also be used to describe a rock, like <laughs> strong, like, 
you know, like stoic, like not like, and it's just like, wow. Like we were like, you wonder why majority of people who, uh, you know, at least as far as I saw from, from the work that I did struggled with substance abuse were guys. Um, oh, I worked in the local, uh, prison, the correctional facility, obviously it was all guys there. There's, there wasn't the women's, uh, facility, but it just, just kind of seeing the impact of four guys of not having that outlet. And obviously those two areas are, are very specific, but I bring it back to Gordon Conwell and say, I definitely saw some of that same stuff happening there too, you know, and, and really feeling like there wasn't a lot of outlets outside of like, you know, academic accomplishment or, you know, being a husband or like, like there's these tracks to be a guy. And, uh, and, and yeah, so I think all that, those, that experience, those experiences definitely was kind of like the call to action. Um, mm -hmm. for me, I definitely saw the need. I felt like seeing guys heading into become leaders of churches, uh, without kind of having this infrastructure built out for me was kind of like, all right, like, how are we setting people up for success here if we're not doing this? You you said a lot of yeah. <laughs> really powerful, well, not just saying a lot, but you said a lot of really powerful um, just um, ideas and, and, and concepts. And one of the things that you mentioned was how masculinity is like this underdiagnosed kind of issue, right? And so yeah. it's interesting that um, on the one hand, you know, you've got what I... I believe that there are, I mean, traits that, you know, biological males have. Mm -hmm. And um, I, th I think, and let me know what you think about this and how you've seen it play out. For me, I think like a trait like, um, like being a protector or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's something that I think comes more naturally in a certain kind of way to me than it does to Jen when it comes to taking care of Max. Mm -hmm. Um and so there is a, a way that that, I think, is is a real thing. But what I am noticing, or I'm, I'm not noticing, but idea that's come to mind is it's not the masculine, like, ma the problem with masculinity is not the traits themselves. It's, it's the use. Mm -hmm. It's more of, like, the application is how we don't, there's a, a lack of, like, imagination and like maybe expansiveness and how mm -hmm. do you use the traits that you know as you know god has given us and mm -hmm. you know and, and also that you know we learn growing up nature and nurture and that kind of thing mm -hmm. um so it's more of like just that's the underdiagnosed issue is we just don't know how to use our bodies in full as as men mm -hmm. um that's just causes tons of tons and tons of problems individually mm -hmm. and then also collectively um what are your thoughts on, on, on that kind of maybe like yeah. perspective? I mean, I feel like there's, there's a lot of issues culturally with formation of guys, uh, secular or believing. Um, okay. I think that we we're probably in a time where there's been more room to, to have, uh, you know, a, a range of emotions as a guy, okay. but at the same time, like 
politics aside, I would look at the Trump presidency and I would say, here's somebody who a lot of guys, a particular type of guy, looks at and says, like, strong energy, you know, right. like, dominating and, like, is, like, that's what I know as a guy should be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't agree with that uh, certain visual of a man, but I, I think that that is an archetype that has been laid out in mm-hmm. culture for some time. And I think the problem is, is when that archetype ruins relationships, creates isolation, diminishes people, mm. those types of things. I'm not speaking about the politic part of that. I'm just saying, like, right. I think right. the way that formation for guys is, like, speaking as a guy, you know, growing up elementary school, middle school, like, just they feel the pressures to be a certain type of guy, whether it's right. athletic or with girls or with academics. Like, it's mm. just a pressure there. At least I felt it. Uh, as far as what expect, what was expected of you, or who what, who you should be and shouldn't be. So and um, so thinking even about the like this archetype of what it means to be a you know a man. Mm-hmm. You know, when that when you you know let, let's let's say you did not mention um, like Donald Trump as mm-hmm. you know before naming those characteristics, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the traits themselves are not necessarily like. Um, like negative or um, uh, what's the word um, oppressive, right? Like being right. powerful, you know. Right. Like, right. If you don't have any power, you really can't do a whole lot, right? So, right. so it's it seems like the the arc. If if one of the things about masculinity is that if you're not the archetype, you're always in some ways there's always something. You're always deficient in some kind of a way. You're like mm-hmm. beta male. Exactly. Beta, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Right? So um, is it that we're all kind of functioning in some, like, sense, like, we are, like, betas trying to become an alpha, even, and just use that more, like, conceptually, not Mm -hmm. actually the case. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that what's going on in in terms of what drives us to only try and fit into one certain type Mm-hmm. of expression of masculinity or is there something else going on I, f- I feel like the you know like the esteem around alpha male th- is carries a lot of weight and again you know you look at action heroes of the last 30 years in mm-hmm. movies or you know ha- in in our pop culture how are men shown who are respected like that's all I need to know as far as the archetypes that we've been given. And honestly, as I was thinking about, you know, what we're talking about today, I'm like, who's the good role model? Name some good guy role models that are in pop culture who haven't like, who haven't, like there hasn't been a scandal or something. Like I can't, I I definitely feel like Joe Biden, Trump, like, like, like they're all these guys got skeletons in their closets and, and we're just like, accept it as like here's the person we're looking up to and and again you know it doesn't have to be political it can be you know any of the other celebrities or whatnot and so i and okay so go inside the church i know you guys have just been talking about a number of figures inside the church who have you know had this stuff and so i i feel like 
when you have men and power together, it doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing, but I think that that power can also run synonymous mm -hmm. with isolation, right. not having people speak into their life, mm -hmm. not having yep. meaningful, authentic relationships, right. not talking about how to deal with the anxiety of all that uh, power. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no infrastructure for guys to have the mantle they have. Right. There's, right. there's none of that. And so mm -hmm. to me, it's like, this is a recipe for failure. And so I, I, that's what really drives me is that, you know, thinking about like, how do we raise up young men and men to be leaders? And I, I was listening again to uh, your guys' conversation with Marcus, just because I know we're kind of on, on the same to topic. And it's like, you know, there's there's a real question here around what does it mean to be masculine? What does it mean to be mm -hmm. a guy? Um, and and you had been kind of talking about like the kind of using that uh, privilege, I would say. There's that privilege in there or that uh, cultural esteem to to raise up, to to help others. And I mm -hmm. I know Moki, you dig all types of books, but I, I came prepared tonight. There's this book, oh, there's, a, there's this book that I, I read a, a while back, but I love, it's called The Will to Change. And, uh, and it's, and it's by Bell Hooks. It's a, it's a men, masculinity and love. And it, you know, this is not going to be your kind of uh, man's man book about how you're going to be a strong man. It's actually talking about like the patriarchy and like what's, what's wrong with it in the sense mm -hmm. that, the, the author says like men have to be emotional cripples in order to fulfill the duties that this society has given to them, whether it's mm. the power dynamics in the structure of um, running the governments and, and businesses or going to war. If men suddenly got up and had feelings about killing people, where, where would we be? They can't. And I would that, I remember when I read that, I was like, oh, snap you know like <laughs> what it what is that you know and and these it, i like this book because it really challenges a, a lot of those notions and mm -hmm. uh you know the author says men men could really establish masculinity in a lot of these kind of other career spaces like teaching nursing counseling where you are showing other people like you're taking the archetype and you're planting it into places where people need strength trauma right teaching you right. know, like like raising children up to feel, have a positive self-esteem. And not that right. women can't do that, but you're, you know, uh, Marcus was saying how he was doing the Sunday school and, or the uh, VBS and uh, all the kids just, right. you know, attracted to him because they know. Right. right. And it's like, okay, so there's that energy, that power. Like, mm -hmm. could you imagine pumping that into these places that need it? Right, right. Man, we could. Man, I feel like I could talk to you for next <laughs> till twenty twenty two. And I got, I got more books. <laughs> I'm <been laughs> here. I got stuff. <laughs> and um, hit up, hit up Instagram. What the what 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 are they talking about over there? What questions they got? Sure. For well, so the first question I got was um, uh, kind of about culture. Um, like how does how does masculinity across different cultures or um, even subcultures, I suppose, um, impact mental health. So like there's, there's, cause, because mm. obviously like these, 
these concepts are, uh, you know, shaped culturally. Mm -hmm. And so if you have, you know, mm -hmm. different communities view it different ways and how, how have you seen that impact mental health in different communities? Across the board, men don't talk about their feelings. So that's just mm -hmm. like, that's a baseline. But well, let me let me, let me let me interject a bit, yeah. and maybe just like um, just propose so feelings and and emotions. Is yep. there a difference between those two, or are they synonymous? Or so yeah, or, or, or what? I I would say they're different for sure. Like okay, and I guess the way that I would I would parse it out is like men in most cultures don't go. I'm really sad. I've had a really tough day, and I'm just yeah. oh, gosh, I'm just you know they don't they don't go to that place typically mm -hmm. um but emotion you would see coming out uh, in places that are acceptable got it sports right um maybe music right um storytelling you see in a lot of cultures a place where that is acceptable mm. but uh, those are all places where men feel safe inside this kind of uh infrastructure to do okay. so got it and I mean, you, you're bringing out books, man. I, I feel like I don't want you. Well, I guess here's me being a man trying to one up you. Go um, for it. But, <laughs> but anyway, so this is so I'm reading this. Hold me oh, tight. Oh yeah, by, great book um, by Sue Johnson. And yep. it just you know, I think uh, when you talked about you know, parsing out feelings and emotions, yep. yeah. Sue talks about um, hitting the elevator elevator button going yeah. going down. That's it. I feel like that. That's what I think. Yeah. That's that's a helpful at least visual image. Right. Is going, Explain that because I haven't there. read the book. Well, so um, like, yeah. So when you talk about your feeling, like the, um, let's talk about like surface feelings and like deep feelings. So like something yeah. happens, I, I experience something and then instantly I'm pissed. Right. Yeah. Man, this mm. sucks. Right. But that's like, you know, that's just, you know, right. CEOs, you know, C-suite level, but I yeah. got to press the velvet button down, the further down I go, it's like, well, I'm angry, mm -hmm. but I'm, uh, I'm just confused. Yeah. What makes me confused? Such and such and such. And what's mm -hmm. that doing? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. really what I'm really feeling is a sense of like powerlessness. Like mm -hmm. I just can't, I just, for some reason, I, I, I can't control the, the things that I need for my life to go from here to here. So mm -hmm. the, the, the more you keep pressing the elevator button down, you get down to, what really is is driving that initial emotion and yep. and the further down you go obviously that's what you want to focus on gotcha. in terms of okay. you know communication I, and so. ar ar arguably i i think and the that to that question guys don't get together like often one on one to be like hey man i need to talk to you about something right you know and and that there may be displays of emotion but guys don't to get together and talk about feelings some do but i would say majority speaking uh it's not like a common thing um and and Moki, more books so speaking of cross-cultural another great book i brought with me here is uh this book called men and the water of life now this guy traveled all over the world to michael mead traveled all over the world to study men's relationships with their fathers in folklore hmm. and to see from different cultural standpoints how men have uh, initiation and relationships within their uh -huh. community 
unbelievable book. I mean, it's just, it's so cool because he, 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 you know, it's from all these different perspectives, you know, here I'm this, this white boy, uh, New Englander and getting to really like learn so much about how this is seen in other cultures, but arguably there's these undercurrents that really do stay true as far as archetype and uh, expectation. Can I ask a, a follow-up about that? So would you, how would you say, or like maybe from that book or, and or your practice mm -hmm. and just relationships in life in general, mm. um, are there um, uh, maybe like positive threads or expressions of masculinity mm -hmm. in other cultures that are absent in like kind of waspy American culture? Yes. I would argue and this what is not <laughs> this is not a deep uh, this is not like a, a a deeply researched thing but that sure. the other in other cultures i'm thinking middle eastern um men do a lot of like hand holding and just like the the, the physical right. touch physical is touch. actually mm -hmm. different whereas mm -hmm. like we're so like starchy and stuck up here like and i and i think that like the singing and the getting together and the way of connecting uh, in other in other uh, cultures, manifests relationship and connectivity uh, in a way that we don't necessarily have going for us here. Like like yeah, go ahead. No no, no. talk about physical touch. I tell you what, um, watch a bunch of black dudes when they start laughing. Yep. You see yeah. them like yeah. the. Honestly, just like yep. go online and, and and search on YouTube, black yep. black men laughing. It's like you just be chilling or whatever, and once you like start, once they start going, like you grab the, you literally like it's almost like this is you just grab the closest dude to you, you hang on tight. Yep. And I never thought of it. Uh, I snap, haven't, yep. I've never made that connection until you yep. just did now. How? Well, go ahead. And Marcus had said last time about you know, the, the, one of the things that, you know, a relationship is close and the guy gives the back rub to another guy <laughs> and you see that. And that, that made me yeah. think, yeah, that made me think that like, and I, I do this to a lot of my super close friends is I'm, I'm all about like a hand on the shoulder or like love the hugs, like all of that. And sometimes I have to forget, I mean, like remind myself that not everybody thinks that same way yeah. I do. Like, why is this dude being so like touchy with me? And, but like, these are all my super close friends. I'm not just you know, random people doing mm -hmm. that, but mm -hmm. like, you know, my close, close friends, that's how I communicate how much I care to them because I know how infrequent that is within the right. guy culture. So like they, and like, it's funny because, and, and I'll get to this in a moment, but I, I feel like, you know, some of the, the, most sincere moments is where it's like, you know, out with friends, had a couple drinks, and I give a, a, a guy a kiss on the cheek to say, like, I love you so much, man. And this is like late night. <laughs> one of my, I was just thinking about one of my oldest friends, best man at my wedding, did it to him uh, about a month ago. And, and it's just that it's like, it's like, how, how do you show love to another yeah. guy? Yeah. But I think, that, and this is, I think this kind of undercurrent for guys how do I make sure that no one thinks I'm gay? Right. There's a sexual, like, that's, I, was, I was just about to ask that is what, right. what, what does, there's a anxiety about sexuality mm -hmm. with in, in, within, I think it's, it's an, it's an undercurrent in, yep. in masculine expressions. And yep. I would say um, when you're talking about power, this, this word came to me, it's more of 
the more dominant associations with an action and a person, mm-hmm. an action and a um, like a type. Mm-hmm. That's where the dominant ones that like have that anxiety with them, and so mm-hmm. with power, it's like the dominant association is power, abuse, power, mm-hmm. winning, mm-hmm. power, mm-hmm. success. Mm-hmm. Um, with um, kissing, weak, kissing, yeah. gay, yeah, um, uh, handholding, gay, handholding, yep. soft. These are the dominant associations. But and this is fascinating to me in soccer, when you celebrate, dudes usually like. Guys usually kiss each other on the cheek all the time, all day, every goal, scoring, you know. And so, but it's see, that's like okay because they're playing sports. Right. It's, it's in fine. the right. It's, it's in the right. Yeah, uh, fix yeah. the structure. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. But there's so, anyways, that um. So, mm-hmm. but speak to that the, the this anxiety about sexuality mm-hmm. in in expressions of, of masculinity. What's particularly I think here in, in America, what's yeah. what's going on there? I feel like there's, uh, in order to present the image that you are an alpha or that you aren't uh, homosexual, there is this push to to sometimes overdo it or to just be so like be stone cold or be or be just be the opposite. I remember, uh, and and I think that it's it's a larger it's 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 a very large issue and in, in, let me explain there's a i think it's the and and you had mentioned this a couple ago the mask mask you live in that mm-hmm. doc on netflix i think it is great and and one of the takeaways from that i remember from that was a story about a coach huddling with his guys and he says something to the effect of you know uh, you know how they're going to get out and go play and and one of the man, I'm gonna butcher this. I'm sorry, but one of the players is basically like, you know, you don't you don't want to. What are you gonna be a girl? Mm-hmm. You know, like like that's the comeback. And the right. and the take on that is like, is that how we see women? Like, is that how right. we right. are? Like, is that how bad it is that you have to like throw that out as like a diss? Right. And and I think that th- I bring that in to this conversation to say there's such a fear for guys to be weak, to not be, to not be weak, that there's such a super strong push right. on every, anything that isn't hyper-masculine. Now, again, I, I'm, what I'm pulling from here are kind of some, some areas that you might see stereotypical masculinity toxic masculinity i think that there's a broad range of masculinity now especially in you know uh younger metropolitan areas right so for your listeners out there wherever they are i think it definitely is locale specific how how they would interact with this but yeah i i don't know it's it's this idea of how guys feel like they have to be emotionless stoic strong tough that is basically is is a sickness yeah uh all right last book um but one of my it's the one that i it's the one that i have loved the most and that i've read in the last couple of years um literally the, the name says it all i don't want to talk about it i don't want to talk about it and the and the author is terence real 
He's a Boston-based uh, uh, psych psychologist, counselor. I, I forget his, his pedigree, but I've seen him speak. He's, he's awesome. Uh, the, the subtitle here is Overcoming the Secret Legacy of Male Depression. He said, he's like, how can you ask a human being to cut off 50% of themselves, emotions, and still be human? Right. You're talking about a trauma that all young boys go through in their lives to, to, to make it into acceptability. And that just, that hit me like a, a, like a there's a ton of bricks because I, A, I felt that personally, but also professionally just seeing how, you know, the boys don't want to cry in front of others. They, they feel, you know, uh, nervous to share what's really going on for them, but they'll get in a fight they'll drink, drink and drive. They'll, uh, try to be sleeping around or like, just like try to go for the points that they can get in these acceptable areas. And this book is all about, you know, how that plays out in the long term, where men are, you know, have higher depression rates, suicide rates, yeah. uh, of all mass shootings noted since 19, I believe late seventies, uh, there's been about 89, probably more since that study was done. But uh, of all of those, 88 were by men. So like, and and his whole thing is talking about how there's like these acceptable aversion, um, these acceptable uh, addictions that men have that help them manage this work, fitness, sports, um, you know, that, that they can manage by these things until it blows up until they realize their children aren't connected to them or their wife wants a divorce or they get to 50 and have a midlife crisis or they try to kill themselves or they just live with a low-lying depression for like their whole life. And he's like, there's this difference, overt depression, covert depression, overt, I'm depressed. I am feel sad all the time. I'm in bed. I can't get out of bed. I, you know, I don't feel like eating. That's like clinical de depression. Covert is I've got the big job. I'm, I, my, my coworkers know who I am. I can put on the face, but there's this feeling inside of me that something's not right. I, I don't feel connected to people. I feel like I'm living in a shell, those types of things. Do you think, so this is kind of, I'm not sure where this question is going to lead us, but I, I have a suspicion, but uh, do you think that men have, an expectation, straight men anyway, have an expectation of greater intimacy in their relationships with women than they do with men. It's a good question. Intimacy mm. as much as it can yeah, be no, that's a that's a really good question because I would argue that I've run into a lot of guys who like their friends, married, their friends are their like lifeblood and their relationship to their spouse is quasi separate from that. Like they're seeking out two separate things. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that there's your spouse isn't somebody technically that you would like bear it all to, even though they probably know everything you're going through. It's a really weird dynamic. Um, I feel like intimacy as a whole for a lot of guys is like a scary, it's a scary word. I say intimacy mm -hmm. uh, like at least once a week to guys. And it's always like this, like litmus test to see like how 
when I say that word, <laughs> do they be like, what do you mean? You know, or, or is it, you know, because intimacy in my mind is the emotional vulnerability. Right. Intimacy is not stereotypically like sexuality right. because to me, sexuality is emotional vulnerability. Right. It's an extension of that. Um, and I, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who can do sex without emotional vulnerability and just try to have it as a function without having that vulnerability. That's a different topic. Um, did I answer your question, Ann? Sorry, did I answer your yes. question, Ann? Yes, okay. you did. I, um, can, so you, you've mentioned a couple, uh, well, I think at one point you mentioned rites of passage and then you, yeah. in the book, uh, yep. is it, is it men in the water of life? Or, That's it. Is that That's right? It. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious. So this is what is um, interesting to me. Um, in in America, when, when we look at you know Middle Eastern uh, you know cultures or yeah. uh, cultures in in Africa, um, uh, we look at how men relate to each other in. But so phys- in terms of like physical touch, physical mm-hmm. closeness, mm-hmm. Um, kind of the you mentioned singing, which is fascinating, but it's true. So, which which are you know for us here, we think of them as stereotypically weak female, um, you know, soft so on and so forth. And the the, the um, how at the same time, those cultures also have some very oppressive structures and systems towards mm-hmm. people who are. Um, not men, but then also particularly to men that are not a certain kind. So mm-hmm. I'm reading this book about um, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, I think standing on on Mount Kenya. It's by Jomo Kenyatta, the first uh, president of, of Kenya, mm. and he's talking about you know men who are the difference between men who are circumcised and men who are not circumcised. And essentially, if you're not circumcised, you might as well not even be alive. That's that's the the kind of like you're essentially like not. You're like a baby still, right? And you're this that you're, and not only, but you're treated as such, right? So there's like some really great avenues for like intimacy, connection, and and growth, but at the same time, like this very like oppressive like structures. And not saying that's still the case now, but um, some of that stuff is like are still some undercurrents in those cultures. So, um, but but they have rites of passage. So I'm curious. What kinds of rites of passage could we have? Maybe not like you know reinvent the wheel. Maybe sometimes we ha- we may have to create some new ones. But what kind of rites of passage could we have that would allow us to learn to you know grow into that one hundred percent human being mm-hmm. that is a man? Mm-hmm. I, I love this topic, by the way, that, and it's something that, you know, I, I, I first want to point out that in America, essentially, there are no kind of gold standard initiation, uh, tr- you know, kind of no. transformation I, I activities, like 16, get your license, 18, you can vote, you can go to war, you can be drafted. So, hey, there's and that. And buy cigarettes. And buy cigarettes, don't forget. Um, and then like 20 and like, right. And then 21, you can finally drink alcohol. Like drinking alcohol is the most important threshold for many teenagers. 
Like, what does that say? Like, that's our, that's our pinnacle. And we have 16 year olds driving hunks of metal around at 60 miles an hour. And yet no one's talking to them yet about like responsibility or like, like there's not been a course on it. Like, I can't tell you how many um, teen clients I have like, wait, like in school, like, do you guys talk about emotions? Like maybe once in health class, like, like that's our level of like connecting humans to themselves. And yet, here's these other things we're giving them. You can drive a hunk of metal 90 miles an hour and kill somebody. You can be sent to war and you can get as drunk as you want, but we'll not tell you any information on why you're getting to those places and how you might feel in them. Like that, but come on. Let let, let, let me follow up with, with, you know, um, at the same time, there's all these like men's groups, there's these retreats, there's, so there's like a, and I just found this out last year. There was a ton of like collectives and, and initiatives, like you know, you know, the uh, to get men together and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, what are they doing? And maybe like this, maybe add this yep. on to the, the the initial question about rites yep. of passage. What are they yep. doing well, and where are some areas that they're still yep. like caught up in the, you know, yep. in, in the systems? So I, I would argue that's probably a small percentage of the general population that does okay. those things and that more often you're finding pockets of initiation in sports, pockets of initiation okay. maybe in something like hunting, pockets of initiation in uh, maybe academics um, that, you know, okay, so we have the Boy Scouts, which again, no role models, like they, don't get me wrong. I, w- I, I did not go through it all the way, I dropped out, so just full full transparency there. But I had friends who went on to Eagle Scout and loved it. But still to have all the revelations that come out that did, I'm like, okay, so like no, no, in- no institution is unscathed. Mm-hmm. And, and yet there are places and, and many successful programs and many you know, people who go on, uh, thinking of young men who go on to become Eagle Scouts or, or gain from that. Um, I often refer to, um, I, I, when I talk about initiation with clients, I'm like, look, not for nothing, you know, the Jewish tradition has bar mitzvahs. They're telling, and, and bar mitzvahs, they're telling young people at the age of 13, this is what it means. They're having the conversation. I think, I think, you know, the Boy Scouts kind of sets like a tone, but there's no like, hey, let me tell you what it means to be a man from this perspective. And that's an area that I really wish the church would have a better infrastructure around. Like I have this kind of grand vision where it's like, if you could have the, the kind of different generations coming together and offering an infrastructure to the young men coming up in the church and saying, hey, look, we got your guys in your 30s. We got your guys in your 40s to 60s. And then we have 70 plus and we're all going to teach you. We're going to like, and this is where I think other cultures do do it better. You like, A, in our country, no one respects the elderly. Whereas other cultures, mm-hmm. the elderly are at the top. You respect them. Why? Because they have the wisdom. They've been through it. They know. And like, think of what you could gain from that. Now, here's, you know, some background for me. I grew up with a dad who was born in 1925. So my dad, when I was growing up, was in his late 60s, and then in my formidable years, in his 70s and 80s. So I, I, I feel like I come from 
a not so traditional space as when it comes from masculinity. And yet it took years for me to, to like make sense of it. And yet I feel like there was some really positive attributes there. But I wrestled with it because when I was growing up in, in uh, high school and middle school, my dad was not the type that was throwing the football around. So it was like there, I didn't fit in that kind of archetype. But I had someone who was listening, emotional, held presence, like all those things. And so once I got into my 20s and now 30s, like that fits me so much more. Like I'm in a listening profession. So it definitely, uh, it, it pays off now. But I felt that tension around the archetype versus uh, not what wasn't normal. But just back back to, you know, just your question. I did want to get back to the question about initiation. I think that there should be more formal initiation stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mm-hmm. even look at yeah. the Israelis, they have like join the army. You know, at least we're talking about responsibility to country. You have to do it. Like I would love to see infrastructure around like, you know, kind of type of jobs core where everyone's learning to respect our the infrastructure of our country and has mm-hmm. to like give and has to work with people. Like, just like, let's set some, that's outside of men, but I think there's has to be some infrastructure to bring people up and show them how to be in touch with themselves and the communities they live in. Hmm. Sorry, I threw a lot out there. So you can, it's all good. Man. All <laughs> I good. went personal and then dip yeah. back out. So yeah, yeah. You, you run from yeah. whichever direction you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, I think, um, so with initiations, um, rites of passage, I think one Mm -hmm. of the things that's super important about them is not even what you end up doing, but the kind of connections that you make internally Mm -hmm. with, um, like struggling Mm -hmm. and, um, and then, um, just being supported. So I think you mm-hmm. just have to go through this like massive struggle um, mm-hmm. to the point where you begin to question your abilities, question this, that, and the third, mm-hmm. and then you come out of it mm-hmm. and you are received by some kind of community in mm-hmm. a new way mm-hmm. because prior to you were this person who was like, everybody knew you and loved you, whatever, mm-hmm. but there's still like this part of your life that you have to transition to the next part. Maybe that's also a part. Another thing that's important too is like life has parts mm-hmm. and you have to, you know, another communication book I read a while back talks about sliding. You know, mm-hmm. you can't just slide from like kid to, you know, toddler to like, you know, elementary school to high school mm-hmm. to college to married to old man to nursing home to dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like all like mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. kind of thing. There's like mm-hmm. parts to it. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think that aspect of the struggle and then also the reception back into the community as a different person is is key and one where uh, now, you know, I think with, with, with work and war, for me, I think that that's cool, but it's not, it's, it's just too, like, myopic. It's one thing. It's a soldier. Mm-hmm. It's an employee. But as a human being, as a man the initiation that like reintroduces you back into a community mm-hmm. um, is, is something that would mm-hmm. uh, some kind of way would have, mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. As we're talking about it, I feel like one of the, one of the kind of quasi initiations is going off to college. 
Like, I guess that yeah. would be one of yeah. the ways that people these days go, go out from their communities, challenge themselves and come back a different person. Mm -hmm. I mean, my whole mindset around initiation is that it's about uh, responsibility. It's about knowing yourself. It's about trusting what you've learned. I mean, there's so much about it that is, like that is 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 uh, requiring of other work to be done ahead of time. Like to have that initiation, you ideally are having learning about what you're facing out there, right? And so I guess that's where the academics would count as one. Um, but I think many mm -hmm. people can go through academia just, you know, checking the boxes and not challenging themselves or you know just doing what they think they should as opposed to like actually finding themselves which i think that would be my uh i i would hope that any any initiation or any kind of uh space of transformation is about a revealing mm, and like getting that. to getting to see more of yourself learn about yourself trust yourself so that you feel more capable to handle life. Man, I think we only got through one of Instagram's questions. <laughs> and, I got another, and this is an important one. Yes, please. Okay, so um, the sort of backdrop of this question, and I think it's been the backdrop in many ways of this conversation is, is sort of um, deconstructing toxic masculinity which is like such mm -hmm. a loaded phrase but i mean essentially like the ways that toxic masculinity is toxic for men um and um what would you say is like sort of a path forward in terms of someone who's like trying to reconstruct their masculinity or trying to embrace their their masculinity and um be mentally healthy like grow mm -hmm. in mental health mm -hmm. Great question. Uh, I think that identifying what is healthy um, can depend on who you're asking, but to me professionally, there's definitely a understanding of what's healthy and unhealthy from the perspective of behaviors, thinking. Um, you know, this is I'm just kind of going from the baseline here, saying like there's a there's a there's a standard for what's healthy and unhealthy um and i think that seeking out professional help is a great way i i i think it's funny therapy gets this like stigma when it should be as the same thing like you get your yearly checkup from the doctor and i always joke with this about people like you get your eyes checked you get your teeth checked like you get your body checked like it's all your body like does anyone stop to be like hey so like how's your mind like how are you nobody does that maybe you get that from your primary care maybe maybe you fill out a little like checklist like how depressed are you when you before right. you go into your that's, like yeah your primary care and then and then and then they refer you uh based on that questionnaire but there isn't the dialogue of like so tell me about your life like how are you doing in it you know and how is that not a big old whiff from the rest of the you know but that might go back to this kind of other point like if people actually knew how you know if someone acknowledged how hard someone else was having it, that would get in the way of like a lot of people doing what needs to be done for like the greater gears turning. Anyway, that's not a rabbit hole I need to go down now, but that's just the baseline perspective of, of that, you know, 
how do I how do I work on toxic masculinity? The next thing I would say is you have to have mentors. You have to have people in your life that you look up to and say, I think this person is doing a good job of being a man. Mm. Uh, And I think Marcus alluded to this when he was talking about like you see like Mm -hmm. a good dad and you're just like, oh man, like that's that's where I want to be. I have. I feel like I have had at various points in my life at least one, if not two mentors who are at least 10 years older than me. Um, Some who are in their later 60s, 50s. Um, And it's just so, it's such a great wellspring to be in the presence of someone who you respect, but also just to hear them go through stuff that you're either going through now yeah. or maybe yeah. going through someday and i think that's like that's they're, they're in acknowledging that there is also an acknowledgement that a lot of guys are walking around completely like blind or aimless yeah. or or don't know how to get to that next step because they were never shown and i think that uh something i, I bring up a lot for um guys in their teens 20s 30s is like hey so the generation before us like our dads or their dads, you know, our grandparents, they came from generations where you don't talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, there's this generational issue where like, yeah, you can say like, oh, my dad never, you know, showed me how to do this or that. Like, there's a handicap there, for sure. Like it, it like, up until World War One, I, I think it was, if you were a soldier coming back from uh, the trench warfare in the UK and Britain, and you were found out to be having night terrors, you would be charged with treason. That's how unacceptable this stuff has been. So, you know, and and let's take pick the low hanging fruit of being called soft or, you know, weak or any of those things over the generations. So it's so common to be like, you know, so how are things with your dad? Like, oh, we don't really talk. He doesn't really talk much. Like, oh, what'd your dad think about this? Like, oh, he didn't really say anything. That is so common. So for for guys out there who feel like they're kind of walking around in the dark, that is normal, but it is not healthy. Hmm. In the sense that like a lot of us guys, and I, you know, I, I would definitely say I felt this at times. You just are like, what am I doing? Like, I know I should know. I know I should look like I know. I know that I should feel like I know, but I don't know. So that breeds great anxiety in me about how to be a guy. Like I, I, you know, before becoming a father, terrified, terrified of like, am I going to be a good dad? Like, do I have what it takes? Like there'd be this some like moment where I'd arrive at like, okay, I, I got the answer I'm looking for. And, and that, that never came. That wasn't like, like I got, that wasn't like, you just jump in. But you, but I think that having guys in your life who are already dads being like, oh, I can see him, he's doing it and he's doing it. And like, you know, there's no, there's no perfection, but at least I can be around people that show me the way. And that is the purpose of men getting together. That is the purpose of having close male relationships. So you can feel not alone in, Mm. in this process of life. And I don't think that's a male specific issue, but I think the pressure of, of masculinity is that you should, you know, have it figured out. Arguably, I'd feel like th- that there's many cases where that's true for women as well. But in, in this context, I feel like uh, 
it's just it's just so important to have people you can look up to it's like look up to and look side to side too so you have your yeah, friends who yeah. you're going in it together and like man are you like are you freaking out this like like I am like yes okay like all right we're all like the my friends that I I grew up with we're all talking about like like how are we supposed to make it in this economy like how are we supposed to make it as like as like young parents I'm like I don't know man like and like as I sit there I'm like man I must be the only person struggling but then I call like two or three friends and I'm like nope no no this is just the case for everybody and so like that is so comforting and it kind of starts to erode away at that pressure that you have to have it figured out or that you have to be someone something for someone or just for the culture right. at large. Uh, so I feel like that's, I feel like that's definitely uh, some of that advice I'd say against toxic masculinity, but I feel like going to the right sources too, to try to identify like what is toxic masculinity, who's gonna speak into that, like who is gonna in, give me like insight into why it might be toxic. Like, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of, conversations that happen around masculinity and like the me too movement and all that has like pushed more conversations but there's some hesitancy from right. some kind of corners of society around full, going full like like here's how wrong this is so you have to read these books like the will to change to get mm -hmm. that picture of how wrong it can be but the problem is like so where do we go from here right exactly like, yeah. kind of what this question was getting at like yep. and it sounds like to me from from what you've said is that there's not really ever a point of arrival in right. terms of like being a man yeah. and uh, even if even if you have all of the rites of passage in place there's still going to be a lot missing mm -hmm. um, and it's a journey that unfolds so knowing with that in mind like how do you be mm -hmm. a healthy man mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. emotionally mentally spiritually etc mm -hmm. mm -hmm. while you're on that mm -hmm. path of becoming mm -hmm. hmm. it's funny because it really is like a a great frontier or like a wild wild west because i think in in a lot of these areas what it means to be a man there isn't a lot of information about there's this guy who uh who I think he's at Stony Brook out in Long Island. Um, and he runs, I think he's within the gender studies department and he runs the first kind of like men's me, uh, masculinity specific focused for grad students. So wanted to go there. Um, but he said a quote that I really liked from him was like, hey, like over the last 50 years, women, the LGBT scene, they've all changed. They have all done great digging on themselves to come out as something to be heard and listened to and respected. And men have stayed the same. And if anything, in my opinion, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier about the politics, like a lot of men have dug their heels in and been like, I'm not, I am not seeding any of this. And I feel like there's the kind of two poles that are out there of like, hey, like, I've seen the shirts that the, the future is feminine. Like that to me is like a great uh, slogan that kind of uh, gives gives light to one side of, of kind of looking at, at toxic masculinity. And then the other side is the kind of very conservative, like I'm gonna be a, a male and I don't give 
a crap about anybody kind of like I just power hungry and the 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 middle space of like how do I bring forth what is masculine has historically been masculine and maybe it's simple maybe it's just like don't treat other people poorly don't use the power that comes to men to oppress <laughs> don't like like maybe it's that simple but i think culturally and tangibly um there's still so much work for that to be commonplace so it's hard for me to identify but i could say that it, a lot of it has to do with like as a man how do you think do you see yourself in the room and be like oh i kind of like all this attention you know, like I kind of like being in the feeling that power. And do I do I laugh with those jokes that disparage others? I mean, a lot of it are in the small moments. Like guys will have jokes that are just like disparaging of women or like or minorities or any of that. And it's kind of like this like chuckle, but like is that the moment you're like, hey, like that's not cool. Like, or that's not we don't joke about that kind of thing anymore wasn't right then, wasn't, isn't right now. Like, where does the power get dispersed in the places where it kind of uh, grows its ugly head in that way? And then do you also see men coming into the professions that they wouldn't typically be? Like, could you imagine if all the guys who, you know, no offense to Wall Street workers, but like the guys who are like money hungry on Wall Street trying to make a name for themselves, suddenly were like, you know what? I'm gonna become an elementary teacher. I'm an elementary school teacher, like, mm -hmm. like, you know, or like, just like you take like the, the archetypes of the alpha males and then suddenly they just become like, you know, Mr. Rogers, right? Like think of the power in Mr. Rogers. You guys seen the movie, the, either the doc or the movie on Mr. Rogers? Both. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. And like that, you feel that power. You mm -hmm. feel the leverage of some of a man caring so much and speaking to you like a child in a, in a childlike way to lift you, to encourage you. I, I was just, I thought it was incredible. It's, I, go ahead. Oh, go, go ahead, Mel. No, I, I was going to say like, so I was, um, uh, I following up from, you know, Anne's question about like, where do you go from here? There's a, a podcast I listen to called love our podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, like, um, Ke Ke uh, man, his stage name is Kev on stage. Yeah, but he, he, um, he, he had this like transformation um, where he started learning how to, like, just um, look at life and and approach life as a whole person with his body and his his emotions and all those mm -hmm. kinds of things. And one of the things that was really fascinating he said was when he started doing this, his problem was that he did not even know how to feel his feelings so it's like you know mm -hmm. and 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 i think so and and reason i'm i'm kind of like honing mm -hmm. in on the feelings part is because mm -hmm. as you pointed out in, in the book uh the i don't want to talk about it is dudes typically 50 percent of their constitution is left kind of like atrophying yeah. yeah until they die. right so so how so yeah. what kind of like spaces or yeah. conversations could dudes have or even yeah. like like you know like right. I, the reason i love this book so much is that it's got prompts right like you yeah. can actually like have conversations yeah. like 
in a certain kind of way and they actually yeah. get you to yeah. you know to that kind of you know the elevator down right yeah how what so, kind of yeah, yeah go ahead let, let me jump back to ann's question real quick because she asked a great question from this instagram uh, uh right in and i went to total like systemic changes like how are we going to change the landscape and and i'm so sorry i should just said guys need to learn about their feelings like that like let's just start there like it's such a low bar i just completely forgot it but it's there like let's just talk about our feelings let's mm. just have authentic conversations and the more humility the more empathy and vulnerability we practice that will flow out into these areas i think that the toxic masculinity is actually the aggression we're feeling from covert depressed men. That is what I feel like that a lot of toxic masculinity comes from, actually. Yeah. A lot of scared dudes running around trying to prove that they're the archetype when in reality, they don't know what they're doing and they're just trying to fit a type. Meanwhile, right. hurting people, isolated, those types of things. So I, I think to come back to that question, conversations, authentic ones, vulnerable ones, where you're like, this is what's happening to me. And having, I think having mm. one, two good friends, guy friends that you are connected to, who you feel you can be comfortable with, like that, that to me is, is a great starting place where you can really share yourself. And honestly, the more you do that, the more comfortable you feel. So you don't have the need to step on anybody. You don't have the need. Like, I feel like half the reason guys go after powerful jobs is to feel okay mm -hmm. like once i have this thing i'll be okay i'll feel all right i'll have money yeah. or a claim or esteem people look at me a certain way when what is that really about you know right. it's just about feeling comfortable and, well, and, and and respected and trying to find something that will paper over the 50 percent of you that is still there but just a hot mess Right. Right. Yep. Right. Right. So, um, and even like, so getting the, the, so as, as you were talking, I was thinking about the, um, I don't know what you call it. The, uh, is it the emotion wheel? That yeah. One? yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you may have noticed that's the progression I went on earlier, talking about anger, going into more specifics. So question I have yeah. is, um, so that's been very helpful for me personally. Yeah. Like sometimes I get, I, I go like from zero to 100 and I'm like, yo, what the heck is going on? Yeah. Um, so, I'll, but then I'll go through it and I'll, I'll go and I'll get very specific, but I struggle. So once I get to like, it's not so much I'm angry, I feel powerless. So let's say some dude goes through that. Mm -hmm. Then what next? What are you supposed to, are you supposed to just like, okay, great. I feel powerless now, you know, <laughs> I'm in my feelings now and you know, um, yeah, like I'm done. Mm -hmm. Let me go get a beer. What next? <laughs> well, I think I think that there is great strength in vulnerability. Mm. I think that when 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 people feel connected, they feel safe. I mean, that's that's us. That's that's our relational living at its finest. Um, and for guys to be able to have that. I think is empowering. I, I think it's not about taking power away, but it's, it's, it's kind of like feeling connected so you can feel okay to go out and do those things. You know, whether it be 
being a parent, spouse, worker, whatnot, that, you know, if, if you don't have that kind of connection, you will look for it elsewhere. If you don't have meaning, <clears throat> meaningful interactions, you will search it out. And people try to find it in all different places. I mean, they, <laughs> let's take a second to just talk about pornography. Like, that is it. That is, that is it to a T. Guys just looking to have A, feel like the archetype, you know, to feel like pornography is like the service to the ego, mm -hmm. to feel a momentary connection, even if it's just a video online. You know, like, like it is such a uh, conduit to those negative emotional cycles for guys who don't have fulfilling relationships or people that understand them and understand the struggle and feel comfortable talking about that struggle. And one of the things I also wanted to, that came to mind as you were talking is on the flip side too, talking about your feelings is a way also to recognize when you are actually experiencing connection and fulfillment, mm -hmm. right? And being able to like label it, right? Like, you know, so feeling happy is one thing, but feeling elation and mm -hmm. feeling, um, mm -hmm. what's the word? Uh, I was doing this the other day and it was like a, it was either like elation and the other one was, um, uh, it's when you're like, um, excitedly looking into the, into the future. Right. Mm -hmm. But the mm -hmm. initial, initial emotion was happiness. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if part of it is we, one of the things we also have, I think is a great, maybe like you said, frontier, mm -hmm. um, is to be, is actually being able to recognize what kind of like connection and mm -hmm. fulfillment that we actually mm -hmm. are receiving. Mm -hmm. And that would then even be able, like round out even more the 50% because that whole, the 50% is not all like negative, <laughs> right? right? Like it's all like happiness, joy, right. satisfaction oh, totally. are all yes. part of that 50%. Yes. And that's why, you know, you see guys at sporting events going nuts, just like letting loose or why drinking is so important for guys because they actually get to express themselves in a way that's outside of, you know, a certain amount of decibels. And, <laughs> and I just, and, or they get to like hang on their buddies and like, it's just this, it's such relational joy on, I mean, on top of feeling like you're a winner because your team won, but when you see guys together loving sports, you know what's there. Yeah. That's, 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 it's not, I mean, it could be about the chicken wings. They are delicious, but you know why they're there. Mighty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also just real quick, that feelings wheel, I've, I've, every team client that I have, it, that gets broken out in the first or second session to be like, so just look like there is a, there is a baseline we're going to start from, which is here's the words that most people talk about, happy, sad, mad, uh, scared. Here's what those words actually mean. And this one word can be broken out into 15 other words. Did you know that? And then it's just like wide eyed. And I'm like, so like when we talk about emotions, the first step is building vocabulary. And the next step is we go through each one of those other emotions. And I say, can you tell me a time where you felt this? We have a memory. 
You go through all of them, and now you have a roadmap of your life with emotions. So you can say, oh, I know what this feeling is. It happened to me that one time. I now know that I'm having that right now. And so, and like, think, you can... Go ahead. I think, interestingly enough, I think a lot of people are afraid of what will happen if they tap into the other 50%. But if you can identify times when you might have mm -hmm. felt something in mm -hmm. that 50% right. and survived mm -hmm. it, and mm -hmm. it, or it turned out fine, mm -hmm. um, yeah. that that unknown 50% mm -hmm. actually becomes a lot less scary. Right. Let's, let's talk about how we have to qualify that emotions don't have to be scary. That's for guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's for guys. You know, like that, like so many guys are like, oh, feelings. Like it's a drag. And it's like, okay, but that's you. <laughs> so like, why, why are we, why are we tampering this down? And I think that that's, again, that's that kind of unspoken tension around, you know, I'm not supposed to feel too much. Cause if I do, like, what are people going to think of me? Yeah. Um, I, I did want to get a chance to say during our time, uh, talking on this it's a quote from so my father's best friend his whole life they were friends for 80 years uh, and his friend his friend's name is Warren his Warren, Warren wrote the eulogy one of them for my dad's dad my grandfather and in that it was basically this beautiful you know love note in a way, but a story to my dad's dad about how he had been, my dad's dad had been in Warren's life after his own dad had died. And uh, Warren called him a giant because my dad's, my grandfather was a large man. Um, and the quote was, he called him my friend. From my friend, I came to see that physical size is after all, only one dimension of a man. Inside lies the truest measure of any man. The inside giant is experienced, not seen, felt by the soul, not touched by the finger or measured by the eye. How rare, how wonderful is the giant. Respect and gentle love for one another. Those and those alone make a giant. I'm just like... Jeez. Wow, so you good. feel that in your gut, huh? Yeah. And, and, and I, and I, I have that, that it's much longer, um, but it's on my, uh, it's on my dresser because I want to remind myself all the time, like, this is what it is. Like that, like if you ever feel like you're not hard enough or strong enough for the world, just remember, like, it's not how like much you like get, like, and see, I'm making a fist. The listeners can't see it, but I'm making a fist, like smash into the world. Like, it's not about that. Wow. Well, my last question was going to be, yeah. is there a piece of encouragement that you can read? <laughs> <laughs> that is it. That is With it. The men who are listening and that's yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I could say it much better other than if you feel that tension of thinking that you should be something you're not, challenge that because I think there's so much more that we already are. And Moki, this goes to your kind of kind of first line of thinking you were thrown out there around like, this, the, all the ingredients are there. It's how we are forming ourselves 
and how we're challenging what has been passed down to us culturally, uh, intergenerationally, around what it means to be a man. And I think that it starts with getting to have conversations just like this. Starts with getting to like, so maybe you have one friend that you feel like you can tell like what's actually going on in your life. What's a struggle? What's something you don't, you want, like if you feel that, that, that sense in you, like I don't wanna talk about this, just like that book. I don't wanna talk about this. Chances are you probably should. And chances are that friend is also going through the same thing or if not something mm -hmm. similar. Yeah. Because I, and, and I, I always said this and felt it to be true in our substance groups that we had run that the devil is feeling like you're the only person who's, who's struggling with something. You're that, 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 that voice inside your head said, man, I must be the only one that fill in the blank. That is the ultimate like evil thought because it shuts you down to not talk to others, to, you know, harp on yourself, all those types of things. And the truth is like, just like I was saying with my friends, I'm like, oh man, like I must be the only one struggling. Like, nope, all of us. Hence the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the podcast. We're all just like, yep. Yeah. It's a struggle. Man. Well, um, it's a struggle for sure. But um, I think there's that, uh, that reminds me of the, initiation and the rite of passage right mm -hmm. there's the struggle mm -hmm. then there's also the community itself right and that's that's what makes the struggle one worth it but also allows us to keep moving forward and to see that it's mm -hmm. the struggle isn't everything it's not all a struggle there's a whole lot more to it um, that we can hold on to and a whole lot more to it that we can discover that just makes life so, so, so rich. Um, and, and this conversation itself has been rich. Will, thank you so much for hanging oh, with thank us. Thank you. Yeah. Um, where, where can, uh, where can people find you? Um, so I'm at a, a group practice here in Danvers, Massachusetts called family counseling associates. And, uh, yeah, this is my practice for right now. This is where I'm at. I will. I mean, I, I will, I'm going to just go ahead and say this. Um, I've seen your LinkedIn profile picture, man, and it look uh, <laughs> looking mighty dashing. That was before <laughs> children, okay? <laughs> Wait, how, how many how many kids you got? I got three. Three. Got we three? just we we have uh, two four two year old and a six month old uh, a little boy born this summer. So two girls man. and I get, and then a boy and so like and it's funny. I'll say this. The minute that I that I knew that it was a boy, I was I had this like I had a panic. I was like, I am now like eyes are on me. Like before with the girls, I'm like, all right, I gotta be like, I gotta show them good quality male love. Like that's what I have to do. Like that loving your child is easy. When and I and I always I don't think I counted I discounted probably how much you know Juliet had on her. These two girls looking at her like you when you mess up, they're looking at you. You know, and so now to have a boy, I'm like, oh, oh man, I was like, this is this, it's real now. The pressure's on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes. Well, cool. Well, thanks so much. This is the first. Um, God willing, will not be the last. Yes. I love having you on here. Um, and I mean, I know you get mad at me for saying this. Where would this show be without you? It would be nowhere. 
Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody, thanks for hanging with us. Um, I'm Moki Musao, your host here at the GPP. And for us here and all our kids uh, and, and all our feelings, we are out of here.